Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Nā mihi nui. Welcome to our Changing World Summer Science series. Ko Claire Kincannon tēnei. Now as part of Summer Science, our Changing World gets a chance to play some new podcasts for you, created by Centre for Science Communication students at the University of Otago. Students are tasked with creating a podcast about a controversial issue, and today we are featuring a podcast called What's in the Water by Laura MacDonald, a topic prompted by the news that came out in early February 2021 that high levels of lead were detected in the water supplies of some towns north of the city of Dunedin, within the city boundary. Unsafe lead levels have been detected in children's blood tests in East Otago. This following a contamination scare which has resulted in a do-not-drink notice and emergency water tankers. Dunedin City Council says it may now be months before the notice is lifted for the residents of Waikoaiti, Karitane and Hawkesbury Village. Lead is a cumulative toxin detrimental to human health. Reflecting on the issues in East Otago, Laura and geologist Dr Mike Palin tell us the backstory to the discovery of lead contamination in the environment. So, I'm sure by now we've all heard about the recent public health scare in Waikoiti, where high levels of lead were found in the town's drinking water. This is not too flash, because lead, even in very tiny doses, is toxic, and is especially harmful for children as their brains are developing. There has been much question as to where these high levels of lead in the drinking water are coming from. This is a problem that is not exclusive to Waikoiti, and has been an issue in other cities around the world. My name is Laura McDonald, and in this podcast, we're going to chat about where the lead in our drinking water is coming from. This leads us on to an interesting story about the lead controversy that started in the 1960s and the geochemist whose studies started it all. To help me with this, I have the awesomely enthusiastic Mike Palin, who is a geochemist from the University of Otago Geology Department, to talk about the likely source of lead in the Waikoiti water supply. Let's get into it. Lead is a pervasive contaminant in the environment, and the reason for that is is that it has been used historically for all kinds of things. Plumbing, paint, and of course for years and years as an additive to, to petrol, and what that's meant is that there's a legacy of contamination in soils, and especially in areas where humans have lived for you know the last century or so. In the particular case of Wakawiti, we wanted to kind of have a go at seeing what the water, the natural water was. And we sampled that water and got it analyzed and, and found that actually the lead was very, very low in the natural waters, as it is usually the case. However, in most cases, when it comes to drinking water, the problem isn't the natural water input. It's actually what happens to the water after it's collected, after it's treated, and then as it is piped out to the various people that use it. And it's those pipes 
the so-called plumbing, the word plumbing actually comes from the Latin word for lead. Lead has been long used in both pipes and also in solder for copper and steel pipes. So, the lead is coming from the water pipes. Hmm, suspicious. We know that lead is toxic, so why is it that we have it in the pipes that deliver our drinking water? That brings us to a very interesting story and controversy that began in the 1950s with a geochemist and geologist called Claire Patterson. Claire Patterson was a pretty cool guy and is an inspiration for geochemists and geologists alike. Claire Patterson studied at the University of Chicago and for his PhD he was tasked with finding out the true age of the Earth. He's one of my heroes, really, I think. Not many people know, know about him, but there was two great things that Claire Patterson did. The first big thing that he did that made him world famous was he used the lead isotopes in meteorites to estimate what the age of the solar system and by implication Earth was. Sounds pretty simple, right? Claire Patterson thought so too, until he came across a bit of a problem. Well, it turns out that to make those measurements, Patterson had to get meteorites and dissolve them, extract the lead, and he did that in laboratories in Chicago. And what he kept finding was that all his reagents, his acids, all the surfaces in the laboratory, they were contaminated with lead. Small amounts, but they were there, and it was pervasive. And he could never get his small amounts of lead from the meteorites, very precious samples, to get away from that contamination. So he built himself the world's first so-called clean laboratory, where all the air was filtered, everything was thoroughly washed before it came into the lab. Nothing came out of the lab. You literally stripped naked and put on lab gear in the lab, and then you took that off and it stayed in the lab and you came out. So those were the first clean laboratories. And, and eventually he moved on to Los Angeles where he had all new laboratories built and they were all contaminated. And so it wasn't that the Chicago laboratories were old, it was that this lead contamination was everywhere. Finally, after years of work, Patterson discovered what he set out to find. The Earth is 4.55 billion years old. So he worked hard, he got his, his meteorite ages, determined the age of the Earth, and you'd think for most people that would be enough for one lifetime. But Claire Patterson, he kept coming back to this lead contamination. No matter where he went, things were contaminated. So, even after finding the age of the Earth, it was not the end of Patterson's dealings with lead. Lead was everywhere, and Patterson was determined to figure out the source of this contamination. He used those isotopic fingerprints of lead to pinpoint where most of the modern lead contamination was coming from, and it was exactly the same isotopic composition as the lead that was added to petrol. And that had a very unique fingerprint, and he could absolutely nail. Petroleum companies had been adding lead to petrol since the 1920s as it improved motor performance. However, petrol wasn't the only place where humans had been adding lead. Lead was also in house paint, solder for water pipes, taps, and even children's toys. Lead has been extracted from natural rock sources and used by humans since 200 BC, when the Romans used it in almost anything they could put it in, from their pipes to their cooking pots. They even put it in their wine to make it taste sweeter. 
So, the source of the lead contamination was clear. Easy peasy, problem solved, right? Just stop putting lead in the petrol, plumbing and paint. Turns out this was not so easy and Patterson came up against some pretty hefty players from the petroleum companies when he advocated to get lead removed from petrol. The petroleum companies argued that the so-called contamination that Patterson was finding was completely natural and that the amounts of lead in the atmosphere had nothing to do with humans. They even brought a medical doctor on board, Robert Kehoe, who argued to the government that there was no evidence that lead is toxic to humans and that it is completely natural and normal. This has now been proven to be untrue. Well, unfortunately, when we ingest it, uh, our stomachs are little acid vessels, okay? And uh, once you do so, uh, particulate lead will dissolve and it gets into your bloodstream and it will combine mostly with bone material very, very readily, okay? So it replaces calcium in bones. And what that means is that once you have ingested it and you incorporate it into your bones, your bones are very active in your system, okay? They, they are actually reforming and dissolving and reforming and dissolving. And that means that once that bone material has a certain amount of lead, your blood will contain a certain amount of lead continuously over your life. So you may be exposed to it only as a child, but you recycle it over the course of your life. Now, what's been identified is that lead has very, very negative effects on your nervous system and functioning in the brain. And it will, it will decay portions of the brain and then be re-released to the blood and then only do it again. And so that it, it's a very, it's a persistent, once it gets into the system, you, you don't excrete it, you just reuse it over and over again and it, and it repeats this damage throughout your lifetime. So much for being non-toxic to humans. Patterson was not going to give up this fight against the petroleum companies easily. He knew he needed more evidence to prove that the lead was not natural and that it had only been occurring in such high concentrations in our atmosphere since the 1920s when it was added to petrol. So, what did he do? He went to Greenland to collect ice cores that went back 10,000 years that showed there was almost no lead present prior to the introduction of lead to petrol. He went to the oceans to prove there was no lead in the old deep ocean waters compared to the high concentrations of lead that were in contact with the atmosphere. He even measured lead in 1,600-year-old Peruvian bones to show that modern human bones contain significantly higher lead concentrations. From these studies, Patterson found that the northern hemisphere had around a thousand times more lead in its atmosphere than what was natural. All this evidence was undeniable, so in 1970, the US passed the Clean Air Act, which set up national air quality standards. In 1977, lead was banned from paint, and in 1986, lead was fully banned from being used in petrol. After years of work, Claire Patterson finally won his battle. He was just an Iowa farm boy, and he achieved fantastic things. And I think it also, through that story, it kind of shows us that, you know, sometimes the most esoteric parts of science can lead to astounding discoveries that do impact our world today for the better. I mean, who would have ever imagined that extracting lead out of meteorites to try to establish the age of the solar system would eventually lead to the removal of lead 
from petrol and to make the environment a better place. However, lead still lingers in past infrastructure, including paint in older houses and, you guessed it, old pipes beneath our towns that deliver our drinking water. So, where to from now? There are already efforts to remove the old pipes from beneath Waikowiti, but for towns which still contain old water pipe systems? The number one thing, and this is advice that is given worldwide, is when you use your tapware in the morning, that first batch of water, do not drink it. Okay, so if the water has been sitting in a plumbing system for more than six hours, allow your plumbing to flush. Okay, and that means opening up the tap and letting it flush for five minutes. And I know that that seems like an enormous amount of time, but it's really important. It's especially important for the hot water. Okay, you really have to just let some of that hot water go down the drain. And I know that that's precious money that's going into heating that water supply, but allow your plumbing to flush if you're planning to ingest it. So, top tip is to remember to flush your drinking water in the morning. All in all, thanks to the scientific controversy and Claire Patterson, we no longer have toxic lead in modern paint, pipes or petrol. I'm Laura McDonald and thanks for listening to this podcast. Thanks, Laura. Laura spoke to Dr. Mike Palin, a geochemist from the University of Otago Geology Department. After nearly six months, on the 28th of July 2021, Dunedin City Council lifted the Do Not Drink notice in Wakawiti, Karatane and Hawkesbury Village. After an investigation, the council said they had not been able to conclusively determine the source of the elevated lead levels, but said it was likely to have come from pipes and fittings on private properties. What's in the Water was produced by Laura MacDonald, a Centre for Science Communication student at the University of Otago. This episode was engineered by Phil Benj. Tim Watkin is executive producer of Podcasts and Series. If you are enjoying the show, don't forget you can follow Our Changing World on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you like to find your podcasts. Check out our website at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld to see photos and links, to subscribe to the monthly newsletter and to access our extensive back catalogue of episodes. And you can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. We are at RNZ Science. I hope you're having a lovely summertime, whatever you might be up to. I'm Claire Kincannon. Ma te wa. 